we're in a series called The Tunnel of Chaos, which is basically taking a look at how you and I get through some of the losses that occur in our life. I would have us know that we all go through various times where we suffer loss. I was out this past week or so, and I was talking with an individual. It happened to be a young man who was describing to me the tunnel of chaos, and he described it this way, Pastor George, I just feel like I'm in the pit. When I heard that, I I pulled out my Apple iPhone with my Bible app on it, and I read to him Psalms 40, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And I shared that verse with him because folks, we live in a community of people that are desperately in need of hope. In fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to give you the stats of what's going on in our community in these fine homes that we drive by every day because I know people in the police department, and they've shared with me some things. George, you wouldn't even begin to imagine what's going on. People need hope. Have you ever been in a pit of hopelessness in your life? You see, when you're in a pit, you can't get around it. You can't go, uh, you can't get, get, get around it, go over it. You can't go under it. All you can do is you've got to go through it. In these last few weeks, we've taken a look at three phases out of the six phases of what's needed to get through a tunnel of chaos, a chaos of experience, some kind of loss. And that loss may be a health loss. It may be a financial loss. It may be a relational loss. It may be the loss of a loved one. Everybody goes through losses. And when you go through a loss, you don't go through it in a linear way, though I'm describing it in this way. You go through it in a chaotic way. It's where you take two steps forward and one step back, or you take one step forward and two steps back. When you first enter into a tunnel of chaos, what you experience is what I called a worldview change. Your worldview turns 180 degrees. And when it hits, when that loss hits you, you are numb. And what you need to do in that first phase is that you need, a bare minimum, you need to cry out to God and you need to accept the help of other people because you need it. You need their prayers. You need their faith. Because when your worldview changes, you don't think correctly. You are in shock. As you come out of shock, the second phase that you experience is what I would call your heart is breaking. Your emotions kick in. You begin to feel again. And you have sadness and sorrow and you have grief. But grief is a good thing because it's God's way of getting you through the transitions of life. Like I said earlier in one of my messages, there's no life without change. And there's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. And there's no pain without grief. Grief is healthy. Grief is what helps you and I to be godly. God grieves. The Bible says that Jesus wept. And when you and I don't grieve, what happens is that we get stuck emotionally, mentally in that phase. And many of our adult problems are the result of not grieving properly over earlier losses in our life. Truly, when you and I stuff our sorrows, 
what happens is not only do we get suck, stuck, but we get sick. And that sickness comes out sideways in all kinds of weird, bizarre behaviors. And so what we learned in that phase is that we need to identify those, those losses that we have not grieved over properly. And then we need to ask God to heal our heart. The third thing that we took a look at the third phase in this tunnel of chaos is when your mind is confused. And when your mind gets confused, what happens, the emotion that's evoked is, is anger because there are unanswered questions. And the biggest one is why? Why? Why did this happen to me? Why is this happening now? And what we learned in this phase is we need to, comp take, the, we need to take our complaints to God and tell him what we think is unfair about life. We need to appeal to God's nature. We need to remind God of the promises that are in his word, and we need to trust him totally. This week, we're going to take a look at the fourth phase. Folks, we are at the tipping point, okay, of this series. This is a very critical uh, step. And we're going to take a look at submitting our will to God with the new reality that exists. And what results in you and in me when we do this is one word, peace, peace. You see, submitting your will is the only pathway to peace. The only way that you and I win a fight, a boxing match with God is as you and I surrender because God's arms are longer than our arms. And yet when we submit our will to the new reality that he has brought into our life, what God begins to do then is he begins to pour out his blessings on us. And so today, we're gonna take a look at how to let go of the pain in your life, how to get through what you're going through, how to move through it, how to get unstuck. We're gonna talk about how, you're, how not to let that loss define you or destroy you, but rather develop you. Through a story in 2 Samuel 12 of King David. King David loses a child seven days old. Now, before we take a look at this, I want us to understand that there is a principle in the New Testament about Old Testament stories. It's in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Read this. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have, and will you circle this word, hope. Folks, we need hope. And God has put these stories in the Bible, not just to take up space. Oh, isn't that a nice little sweet little story? But to give us hope and to teach us things. Hope comes from learning. And what God wants us to learn from this story in order to give us hope are principles to the pathway to peace by submitting our will to God through this new reality. So let's read the story. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 and following. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay, lay, lay all night on the bare ground. The leaders of the nation pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the baby died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He was so broken up about the baby being sick, they said. What will he do to himself when, he, when we tell him the child is dead? But when David saw them whispering, 
He realized what had happened. Is the baby dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. You see, David was praying to God that God would save his baby, that God would spare his baby's life, but God didn't answer that prayer. Have you ever had a prayer that went unanswered? Maybe where you were asking God, God, will you save my marriage? God, will you save my finances? God, will you save my house? It's gonna be repossessed if you don't come through. God, will you save this relationship? And as you prayed, it, it didn't happen. You see, what did David do? Did he allow this, this loss to define him, destroy him, or did he allow it to develop him? What you and I are gonna see in this story is that David did six things, six things that are absolutely crucial for you and I to do in submitting our will to God so as to gain peace in our life. And I wanna encourage you to take some good notes because as I've been sharing with you in this series, you may be in a tunnel of chaos. This is applicable to you right now, but you may not. You will be, (laughs) so take some good notes. And if you're not in one now, maybe you know someone who is. Folks, we live in a very hurting community. I want you to take good notes because as disciples of Jesus, we are to pass on what he has given to us. And from this story, there are six things. And the first one is this, if you want peace, you gotta accept what cannot be changed. This is the first step in submitting your will. You see, when people receive bad news, what is often their first response? I can tell you what it is because I've had to deliver bad news to people. I don't believe it. You gotta be kidding me. It can't be. No. You see, their first response is in essence to say, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. But slowly when reality begins to sink in, That is when you need to submit your will to the new reality. This is what David did. Take a look at verses 12, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23. David said, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I thought perhaps the Lord would be gracious and let the child live. But But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? You see, when you have a loss and you're in this fourth phrase, phase of a tunnel of chaos, you have to say, it's over. It's over. You have to accept that it's over. And accepting doesn't mean that, that you stop caring. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean that what happened was good or what happened didn't happen. No, it just means it can't be changed. And this is what David did. He says, my son has died. I can't change that now. Will you write down this question as a a question for reflection? What do I need to accept that, that is over in my life? What do I need to accept that's over in my life? Maybe it's a job, and you're thinking that they're going to call you back. They won't. Or maybe it's a relationship that's over, and you're thinking that they're going to come back. It's not going to happen. It's over. Or maybe it's a season of life, 
like high school. I just got notified of my 45th anniversary, 45th high school reunion. Have you ever gone back to a high school reunion before? I went back for my 25th. It was my last one. You want to know why? It was sickening. People are living in the past. There was this guy who caught the winning catch, touchdown catch, you know, for the homecoming game. And he was a zero now today, but he's living in the past, okay? It's over with. It's time to move on. Folks, the first step in gaining peace in our life is to accept what can't be changed. The second step that we see David doing that we need to do to, in submitting our will and gaining peace is this. Is we got to remember it's not the end of the story. When you and I experience a sudden loss, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship who walks out on you, it's normal to think, you know what, it's the end. Everything is, is done now, okay? But King David, as he experienced this loss, was able to focus on the hope that was ahead of him by believing that the end of the story was not done yet. Take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. You see, David knew and accepted that his son would never, he would never be able to be with him on this side of eternity, but he had the confidence that in eternity future, one day they would be reunited. In other words, his loss was not the end of the story. Now, it's easy to say that, isn't it? When you and I sit in a sanctuary that's comfortable with air conditioning, but it's another thing when you're in the pit. It's another thing when you are in the tunnel of chaos. That's when you and I doubt. Folks, there have been times in my life when I've been going through a tunnel of chaos and I have looked up into the sky hoping to break through the reality of this world that I might be able to get a glimpse of eternity future so as to give me hope. And yet, you know what? I wasn't able to do it. What do you do? When you can, you're having a hard time in the tunnel of chaos and you can't break through the reality of this world so as to get a glimpse of eternity, to get a glimpse that the story's not finished yet. Folks, that's when you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And what I have personally discovered in doing that is that when I come and I say, Jesus, I believe, yes, I believe, but there are some things that are hard for me to believe. And when he hears that prayer coming from your gut in all honesty and authenticity, Jesus says, that's okay, I'll go to work. Because God will never allow one single single story of our life to end in ashes, not one. God has promised in Isaiah 61, one through three, that he will bring beauty out of ashes. And though I and you may struggle with the reality of this world that would cause us to doubt the things that we found in God's word, the reality of the resurrection, the reality that God's presence is with us, though we might find ourselves in that tunnel of chaos, God has promised us. 
I will bring beauty out of the ashes of this story. So what do you do? What do you do with your doubts? What do you do with your unanswered questions? Well, you do the same with those as you've done with all the other ones of faith and of life and of the universe and of where did dinosaurs come from and of our losses. You put them in a special place. And you put them in a special place so as not, not so to remember that they are unanswered, but, but rather to remember that God will take the, take, take, will bring beauty out of ashes. Now to do that is very challenging. Because when you come to the fourth phase of a tunnel of chaos, you are moving towards the future rather than holding on to the past. And I want you to think about that for a moment. You see, when you and I know that we are moving into the future, this new reality, rather than holding on to the past, folks, that is very, very hard. Because you can't conceive of the future without them or without it. You know that in the new reality, guess what? They aren't there or it isn't there, and it makes the loss even worse. What do you do? Because it's easy, isn't it, to just get stuck in the present, holding on to the past, but not reaching for the future. It's easy, isn't it, to just be in limbo, not wanting to let go of the past and reach and go ahead and move into the future. What do you do to gain peace? That's a good question. I went to my water closet several weeks ago. If you don't know what a water closet is, that's a restroom. If you go to our restrooms, you find devotionals there, okay? Maybe you've heard of this one, Jesus is Calling. I read this. I thought this was profound. Your future looks uncertain and feels flimsy, even precarious. When you're in a tunnel of chaos, that's true. That is how it should be. Secret things belong to the Lord, and the future things are secret things. When you try to figure out the future, you're grasping at things that are mine, Jesus says. This, like all forms of worry, is an act of rebellion, doubting my promises to care for you. Whenever you find yourself worrying about the future, Jesus says, repent and return to me, and I will show you the exact step forward, and then the one after that, and the one after that. Relax and enjoy the journey in my presence, trusting me to open up the way before, before you as you go. You see, what you and I do when we find ourselves in this phase of the tunnel of chaos is that we trust Jesus and we take one step of faith at a time. As I like to say, because of the theology of what about Bob, baby steps, baby steps. The third step that David takes in this story that results in peace from submitting his will is simply this, that you and I need to do is, is this, take care of yourself. 
Now this may sound strange, but understand that every single one of these steps that are in this story are there to give you and I hope so that we can experience peace. Take a look at 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, and changed his clothes. David got up off the ground, he washed himself, he put on some lotion, Vaseline, intensive care, or whatever, and he changed his clothes. Those are ordinary things, aren't they? They are. Except for when you've suffered a loss. When you are in a period where you have suffered a loss, and I don't care what loss it is, and it's just come out of, the no, out of nowhere, it removes your desire to just do ordinary things. When you're grieving, when you're mourning, when tears are coming down your face, when you are reflecting on the past and you are not wanting to let it go, not even one hand, you think, who cares what I wear? Who cares if I brush my teeth? Who cares if I change my clothes? Who cares if I eat? In fact, when I eat, it doesn't even taste good. And exercise? Ha! That's a joke. Folks, this is the kind of thinking that prevails when, when you and I suffer a loss because in a loss, what happens is it paralyzes us. But what we see in this story is that King David gives us a concrete example of how we gradually begin and should begin to respond. He accepted what couldn't be changed. He knew that it wasn't the end of the story. And then the third thing that he does here is he is willing to live with the tension, and I say that purposely, with the tension of both mourning and living. And living meant that he had to take care of himself. And so what does he do? He gets off, up off the ground. And folks, I love that picture, don't you? Because there are some things in life that just, bam, just hit us right across the head that cause us to go right to the bottom of the pit, just like that. And yet, if you are going to live, if you are going to begin to take care of yourself, just like David, you and I have to take these steps symbolically. This is what David did. It was a symbolic decision of re-entering into the world. It was a symbolic decision of him saying, you know what, I'm going to begin to participate in life again. And that is hard. It is hard to simultaneously grieve and simultaneously live at the same time. But that step is necessary in order to submit our will to experience peace. The fourth step is this. You gotta refocus on God through worship. And God will help you do that, though it may be difficult. Take a look at what David did in 2 Samuel 12, 20, and then Psalm 73. Then he went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Psalm 73, I tried to understand all this, but it was too hard for me to see until I went to the temple of God. Then I understood. You see, David knew that worship 
could expand his spiritual insight into what he was experiencing at that time. He knew that if he could just go to the temple, that he would be able to get a glimpse of how God was moving in his life, how God was moving through his life, how God was going to move through this loss, how God was going to move in this world as he was humbling himself by submitting his will to this new reality. You see, I bring this up, and I think God includes this here because the temptation when you and I suffer a loss is to turn away from God. It is to run from God because we think somehow, some way, God, you are responsible for this. And so we run. We run because we're mad. We run because we're angry. We run maybe because our heart is broken. And all those emotions are okay, and we've talked about those in these various steps. All those emotions are okay, but that, but they are not necessarily appropriate for the long-term solution. Long-term, we have to figure out a way on how to worship. And yes, though it's true, God will never abandon us in our anger, when we're mad, when we're grieving, when we're crying, when we're holding on to the past and don't want to let it go, God will never, ever abandon us. But those emotions have a way of clouding our vision, of helping us to see the spiritual insights that God is wanting to reveal about ourselves, about who he is, about life, and how he is moving in this world. You see, it's hard to recognize God's working, isn't it? When you're lashing out at God. Yet God loves us right where we're at. And so what do we do? You and I have got to do what David did. He went to the house of the Lord. The other translation said he went to the tabernacle. Whether it's the house of the Lord or the tabernacle or the temple, know this, that it's not the place that really matters. It's what you do in the place. It is a place, you got to find a place, you got to get to a place that's quiet, that you can reflect, where you can reconnect with God. What I'm saying is, it doesn't have to be here on Sundays in the big house. No, it can be any place where you can find that kind of quality of time where you can reconnect with God. For me, it's nature. I love nature. That's why I love to go to Colorado. I love to go to Colorado with my tunnel of chaos's things that I'm working with on me, my marriage, my family, my grandkids, church, and just sit and look up. God, you're huge. I love that. Unfortunately, I can only do that once a year. Other times I get out, I walk. Sometimes I get in my car. Sometimes I get in my car at night and I park out in this driveway and I look up at that imperfect cross that the light is shining on. I don't know about you, but I have found sometimes I need tangible things to help me with my faith. God is spirit, and sometimes that's hard for me to get my mind around that. But when I see a cross, an imperfect cross, remember at Easter I passed out crosses? I don't connect with God in front of my computer. I don't know about you. And I don't connect with God with my iPad in front of me and with my phone in my ears I'm talking with people. I connect with God when I 
can be by myself. And maybe I have something like a cross, an imperfect cross that reminds me that God's big, that I need to worship. I don't know whether where you're at in life right now. Maybe you're at a low time and you can't get into tangible things. If that's the case, that's okay. I just say this, find a place that you can yell, where you can ask questions, where you can cry, where you can pour out your heart to God as you give or try to take that first stab at worshiping God. Because what I have found, sometimes in our grief, we have a hard time connecting and gaining the insights that God wants us to have. Whether it's with an object or without an object, can I encourage you to find a place because God wants to reveal himself to you. A great Christian once said this, God is not a spy looking to surprise you. He is not an enemy lurking in the windows to hurt you. God is your father who loves you and he wants to help you if you will but trust in his goodness. There are two other things that David did that you and I need to do to get peace to submit our will and it's this, do something productive. When you are hit with an unexpected loss, what happens is that it paralyzes you. For instance, you go to work and then you've been there for 15, 20 years and all of a sudden they tell you, guess what, we're eliminating your position, you're no longer needed. What happens? You are frozen. You can't even think. You can't move. You are paralyzed. One of the things that you need to do when you get unexpected news in this phase is that you've got to start moving. Take a look at 2 Samuel 12, verse 24. After that, he returned to the palace and ate. Circle palace. Why did he go to the palace? Because he's a king. And where do kings do their work? In the palace. David is going back to work. Now let me ask you this question. Do you think David is over grieving at this point. Not at all. Folks, you don't get over the loss of a child, I think, ever, but you definitely don't get over the loss of a child that quickly. David is still grieving. He is still filled with sorrow and sadness. Why? Here's the point, will you write this down? I don't have to stop mourning to start moving. I don't have to stop mourning in order to start moving. In other words, if I'm going to wait until my, all my feelings are gone, it's going to be an eternity. Maybe you just broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Guess what? You've got to get on. At that point in this phase, you've got to start moving. And you know what that requires to do that? It requires faith. This morning, I want us to continue with these four stories. Betty Evans, Clara Cochran, Scott and Rochelle Combest, and Therese Casterline. Their stories of how they're working their way through the tunnel of chaos. In particular, this, step, as the, in particular, this phase as they take the step of faith to get reengaged. Take a look at this. 
I surrendered it to God. I mean, I knew that this is what I needed to go through. Um, this was my struggle that I had to face. I realized too, you know, that, that God is my awesome God, that He really gives me everything. And He did give me a peace. He gave me a peace to walk through it. Uh, he gave me strength when I needed it. And He gave me that stamina to make it, take that step, uh, the next step I needed to take. And my love grew stronger and stronger for Him. Just the intimacy that um, me and my God experienced through all of this. It took me a long time to actually take every part of this that had happened to me and surrender it all to God. But once that I did that, it was a freedom and a peace that I've never felt in my life. When we realized we had no more control in this, we just surrendered it to the Lord. I spent lots of time on my knees praying and just giving it to God. I found that it took me a lot longer to get over this situation because I was so mad and angry, but I did finally work my way through it. We found that we'd been dealing with chaos for so long that uh, we really had to regroup and start focusing back on ourselves and realize that we have a daughter that also needed our attention again. Being single after being married for 28 years is very difficult. I found after a few months that I would have to be proactive about my new life. What I started doing was getting more involved at LifePoint Church. I joined a ladies' Bible study. I went on a mission trip to the Philippines with Pastor Dennis. It was the same trip that Rick had gone on the year before. I found that I had to start making new friends and finding new activities for myself. I started playing golf with my neighbors in a scramble golf group. In 1995, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had uh, several surgeries. I had a double mastectomy and with reconstructive surgery that probably took about a year to go through. And without chemotherapy and without radiation. And I did a treatment um, which was tamoxifen. It's a hormone therapy because my tumor was estrogen fed. And I did that for five years. After the breast cancer, after the surgery, um, it did change my life. Uh, I was in school. Um, I was very active in uh, my tennis, my Bible studies, my church activities, and basically had to stop in all of those and go through the process of healing, getting my strength back, and uh, just back where I was. It took me two years to get back to normal back to my regular activities, things that I really loved. Into my tennis, I got back into my Bible study activities. I got back into my children's activities, things that I love doing. You see, what step of faith do you need to take? What is it that you know that you should do, but you haven't done it yet? You see, I want to challenge you as your pastor who loves you to take a step of faith and just say this, I'm mourning, but I'm gonna start moving. I'm sad, but I'm gonna step out. I'm grieving, but I'm gonna get going. This is the pathway to peace. Grief doesn't paralyze you. Fear does. So take a step of faith. The final thing that we see in this story is simply this. Keep loving even in your pain. 
And why I say that is because when you get hurt, what we like to do is we like to build walls around us. Hey, you know what? I'm never going to allow anybody else to ever hurt me again. I'm never going to love a man again. I'm never going to love a woman again. I'm never going to allow anybody to get that close to me again because it was so painful. I just don't want to go through it again. And it is true that the only way that you will live a pain-free life is by just isolating you from everybody. But can I just say this? Don't do that. It's pain what helps you and I to, to be richer and fuller and more flavorful. Folks, it's, it's the struggles in life that add to who we really are and what God wants us to become. And he works that all in the mix. And don't miss next week's message as I talk about this. When you lose somebody, whether it's through the loss, through death, whether it's through someone got I don't transfer to moved away, whether it's through rejection. Can I just encourage you, redirect that love because there's a lot of other people out there who want to love you. You may, be a, may, you may not be able to have children. I'm sorry, but you can redirect that love to a child that wants to be adopted. Maybe you've been rejected relationally. I'm sorry, I really am. But there are plenty of other people who would love to have your love. Keep on loving, even in your pain. Don't focus at what's lost. Focus on what's left. David did this. Look at 2 Samuel. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And Solomon became much greater than David ever did. And yet, what if David had said, you know what, no more, Man, that's too painful for me. I'm just walling myself off. I'm not going to give myself to anybody else because I just don't want to experience this pain anymore. Where would we be today without Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon? Mother Teresa said something very profoundly that ties in. I'd like to share this. She said, I found a paradox that if you love until it hurts, then there can be no more hurt, only more love. That's the gospel, isn't it? Jesus came to his own and his own rejected him. And though they rejected him, he continued to love. In fact, he loved in the middle of his pain. And where was that? On the cross. He suffered pain until it didn't hurt anymore. So that all that he would have left is love. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And John elaborates on it in 1 John 3, 16, where he says, We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Folks, this is the gospel. And this is the pathway to peace. Submitting your will to God. Submitting your pain, your hurt, your loss, your very life to God. I hope you're not going through a tunnel of chaos right now. I really hope that. 
But whether you are or whether you are not, peace only comes when you and I submit our will to our Heavenly Father. I want to give you a chance to do that if you haven't. Let's pray. Right now, with your heads bowed, maybe as you reflect on your own life with the struggles, the hurts, the losses, the mud and the mire of the pit that you find yourself wanting. You find yourself in chaos and you long for peace. Have you given your life to Jesus? He came and he suffered it all. And he gave all the hurt that he could give until it didn't hurt anymore for you. Because he loves you. And he wants to redeem your suffering. And he wants to bring good out of it. But that doesn't start until you've said yes to Jesus Christ. Will you do that? Today, will you drop Jesus from your head to your heart by simply saying this, God, I admit that I have sought to be in control of my life, to try to figure it all out, but God, I can't. You died on the cross and you gave it all for my sins that I might be filled full of peace, that I might come to an understanding that you are God, that I am not, and that you are working for my good and your glory. Today, God, I believe that you died on the cross, that you resurrected from the grave, and that right now you're at the, you're at the right hand of the throne of the Father, ruling and reigning, even in my life. And so today, God, I want to submit myself to you. Come into my life. Work in me and work through me, God. And if you prayed that prayer, as much of it as you understood, God heard you. On your connection card, would you just write the letter A, circle it, maybe give me your email address so I can email you some information that'll help you understand what you've just done. You can put that, that card in the offering basket as it goes by. So God, we give you this. Life is hard, but we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word that is so clear. Thank you for the, old, the stories in the Old Testament that are there to give us hope and encouragement as we walk through life, as we get pulled up from the, the miry pit, God, and are set on a rock. Your word, Jesus Christ, our relationship with you. And that from that, God, we can walk through life we thank you for that. We give you this in your son's name. Amen.